All right. How's everyone doing tonight? Good evening. I am uh, coming up here for, to pray for us and get us started. And I'm going to have an opportunity just to tell you a little bit more about uh, this year's love offering. So if we would, can we just start off with prayer and then we'll just jump right in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. We're so grateful and honored just to be able to be here uh, and just to, to see you and move and work among the men of our church. Lord, I pray that you will just be with us tonight. And I pray that you will be in this place and that it will just be a great opportunity just to see uh, how you move. And Lord, I just thank you for just this day. And we pray now that you'll bless this time and help us just to have a great and wonderful time tonight. In your son's most precious name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. Uh, I'm Ben Taylor, one of the missions pastors here at the church. And I wanted just to take an opportunity before tonight just to let you know a little bit about this year's love offering. This year's love offering uh, I've been a member of Bellevue since 2006. Uh, I was a, a member before I became a staff uh, member. And uh, one of the unique traditions is the love offering. And if you've been in the service over the last few weeks, you've heard a little bit about that tradition that started back in uh, the Great Depression era. But this year, we have a unique opportunity where all of the love offering funds are going to missions. And what the Love Offering Committee and myself have been doing is we've been taking opportunities to try to get before people to help people understand exactly what that means. And so what we're asking and praying for is that God would, would give, that we would give $3 million to this year's Love Offering. And if that happens, that will be the largest Love Offering that we've ever taken up. And it will all go to taking the gospel from Memphis to the ends of the earth. And what would it look like is a million of that dollars would go to would go to the International Mission Board. And one of the unique things about the International Mission Board is, is when you're an IMB missionary, you are fully funded. The money that we raise through the cooperative program and through other opportunities, you don't have to worry about fundraising as an IMB missionary. And when you are there, your job is to be a missionary. A million dollars would fund fully 16 full-time missionaries. $500,000 of that would go to the North American Mission Board, and, and that money will go to help plant churches in cities like Seattle, where a city in our country, Seattle, Washington, is 94% lost. That means 94% of the population do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the best evangelistic tool in those cities is church planning, and that money is going to go towards, towards that. $1.5 million of that is going to, to help Bellevue missions go above and beyond what we're already doing in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that we're going to do, what we're going to use that money is we're going to see what it would be like for us to cultivate a new harvest field in Central Asia. One of the largest countries in Central Asia is Turkey. 99% of the population do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What would it look like for Bellevue to pray, give, and go to see that nation come to know Christ? We're going to do also other things to encourage first-time goers where some of that money will be used as scholarships. If you're a first-time, you've never been on a mission trip before, we want to help you go and encourage you to go by offering scholarships. And we want to really include opportunities to start loving on our missionaries. What we have found is that being a missionary is lonely and challenging. And we want to use this love offering to help encourage them through other ministries that we have. And one of the most important things I want you to think about is this Sunday when you come to church and 
and you're praying about what to give, on this love offering envelope, it's in, you're going to have one of these. You have on the front the financial piece, but one of the things is on the back. These are commitments because we believe that, yes, we need money, but more than money, we need people. We need men and women like yourself to say, I'm going to go. And on the back of this sheet, there's five commitments that we want to ask you to pray about. I commit to pray for the nations. I commit to share the gospel with at least one person this year. I commit to go on a short-term mission trip. I commit to go into a mission to equip opportunity, or I'm interested in midterm and long-term missions. I believe that the success of this missions offering can be measured with financial donations, but also with men and women who are able to give of themselves. And so I would just ask you to see where God would have you and how he would have you commit to pray, give, and go so that the gospel can go from Memphis to the ends of the earth. Let's welcome Noah on up, and he'll take it from here. Hey, uh, I would really encourage you guys to, to really pray about what Ben talked about. You know, I have the opportunity to work pretty closely with Ben here on staff. And honestly, one of the most encouraging things I think that's happening at our church right now is what's happening with our missions team uh, and what's happening here locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, there's a, a girl that uh, served on the media team with me here at Bellevue Lauren uh, who was feeling the call to missions and worked with Ben's team and went through their training uh, 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 program that they've got to teach people what it means to to give their life to missions. And now she is spending two years in Africa uh, as a journeyman with the International Mission Board and having a great time. And so it's it's so so amazing to see, you know, not only our church involved with the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board and supporting those missionaries, but we're really starting to see a lot of our own people go and be sent from our church, uh, which is a huge answer to prayers at our church. So I'd encourage you to, to pray about that. And I'd pray, encourage you to pray about, you know, does God have for you to go? Uh, you know, I believe all of us, like he said, really need to pray, we need to give, and then at times we need to go. Uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. Hey, we got two giveaways, and then Derek's going to come up. Uh, and, you know, Derek's got his uh, broken foot or whatever he's got uh, with that thing, so I'll give him enough time to get up here. He's slowing down these days, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk pretty slowly here. We got two things. First thing we've got is this book, Kingdom Men Rising. Uh, if you guys haven't read this, it's an incredible book by Tony Evans. A uh, great opportunity to, to understand what God calls men to do and what it could look like if men really... Uh, did what God called them to do. So we want to give this to the person who has been married the shortest amount of time. So if you've been married five years or less, stand up. All right. All right, we got we got quite a few. If you've been married three years or less, stay standing. All right, two years. All right. How long have you been married? Three months. All right. Congratulations. We'll get this book. That is awesome. <laughs> Congratulations to you. All right. We got a Chick-fil-A gift card for the person here who has married the longest. Uh, and so we figured that you could uh, go and either get something for your wife or you could go and not tell her about this uh, sometime on the way home. Uh, so if you've been married uh, for 20 years or longer, stand up. All right. That is awesome. All right. Uh, 25 years. All right. 30 years. 
35, 40, <laughs> actual 40, 45, all right, I didn't expect to go this high, it's awesome, 50, anybody left, all right, if you were just standing, go ahead and stand back up, how many years have you been married, 49, 48, 46, 48, all right, this gentleman over here wins. Congratulations. Hey, go ahead and welcome Derek Ewalt. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Um, it seems to be pretty normal for them to make fun of me. I, I, did anybody else pick up on that? For different injuries, um, I did have surgery last Wednesday. That's why I was not with you. I apologize. I had some nerves cut out of my left foot. And I was just telling the guys in the back, I've had this weird bump pop up on my hand since I knew I was going to get surgery. So I went to the doctor today to get my hand looked at. While I was there, they decided to rewrap my foot. And so they took everything off of it. Well, when I saw the incision, Brother Mark, I got so sick, they had to call the nurse and a doctor in to check my vitals. And while they thought I was basically passed out, the guy decided he would just cut the cyst out of my hand. And so he... He lanced this, and, and I mean, this could just be gross. He basically popped it out like a zit right here, and then the guy fixed my foot. So I, I don't, I, it's amazing. I don't know. And then the doctor said, you really ought to write a book. I mean, you've got, I've got the weirdest injuries. So anyways, hey, tonight we're going to talk about the discipline of learning. And I know that just excites you like crazy. Oh, that sounds really great. Let's talk about learning. Um, I was literally thinking and praying about this, and, and I was like, how many way, different ways, Tim, can I say, you need to be learning as a man? Uh, and I don't think that's what we're going to do tonight. I, I just want us to look at a couple things that God's Word says about learning, and then I want to just send it right back to the table, and I want you to discuss around the table. So we're going to have three different discussions tonight around the table. Um, I had the opportunity right out of high school to play basketball at a very small college. And the reason I chose this specific college was not the size of the school because it was very small. And I had an opportunity to go to some bigger schools. It really had everything to do with the coach. He loved the Lord. He was evangelistic. He was sharing the gospel with his players. Um, he was just on fire for the Lord. And I loved his coaching philosophy of building men for the future. It wasn't just about being a better basketball team. It was really about preparing us for the future. Every single practice, I played there two years, every single practice right before, uh, within about an hour before practice, you would get a text, and in that text, it would have a rundown of exactly what practice was going to look like. Now, I don't mean these are the five things we're going to work on. I mean that it would say, Preston, um, at 6 o'clock on the dot, you're doing this. At 6.07, you're doing this. At 6.11, you get a water break. At 6.13, and your whole three, three and a half hour practice would be laid out for you. All the way to the end, if you knew you were going to run sprints or suicides or ladders, whatever you want to call it, it would tell you how many you were going to run so you could mentally prepare for what that practice looks like. At the beginning of practice, for the first 20 minutes, every practice, six days a week, it was the exact same thing. It was ball handling and passing. You had a partner, and you did the exact same thing every day, so much so that after the first practice, the head coach never came back to the first 20 minutes. He would show up 20 minutes into practice. And he would be preparing, and he knew what you were doing in those first 20 minutes. And when Coach T would walk into the gym, we would clap. He would huddle us up at the middle of the court. And when we'd get there, he kind of had a pop belly, and he'd kind of always rest his hand on his belly like this. 
And he'd always say this, same thing every day, six days a week, two years. Men, today, we're going to strengthen your strengths, and we're going to work on your weaknesses. Are you ready to learn? Let's go. And you knew it was time to get started. Every day, we're going to strengthen our strengths, and we're going to work on our weaknesses. But what I found was, if I was not mentally prepared to learn, I would not get better in that basketball practice as a basketball player. If I had the attitude that I already knew it at all, if I had the pride that I had already arrived, I was not prepared mentally to receive what he was going to teach me that day. What I found was when I would humble myself and approach that practice with a posture of humility, hey, I'm all ears, whatever you've got, I'm ready, I would always learn something. And over those two years, Coach T taught me so much about learning, being prepared to learn. And I found this. If you are ready, God is always willing to teach you something. If you are ready, God is always willing to teach you something. My coach would also say, I remember our first scrimmage against uh, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. They were bigger than us. They were faster than us. They were better than us. They won more games than us. They had more money than us. They had better uniforms than us. They had a nicer court than us. And I remember going in there and our coach basically told us all that stuff. And at the end of that little spiel, right before we played them, he goes, now guys, tonight we're going to get beat. And it's okay. We're going to learn a whole lot. And I can remember getting a steal and going on my first fast break of any type of collegiate game scrimmage practice. And I was going to go up and I was, Jeremy, I was going to try to dunk it. Now, I wasn't a big dunker. I couldn't do a lot of fancy stuff, but I could just throw it down. And I remember getting to the rim and not getting over the rim. And it was a scrimmage. And I can remember him yanking me out by the jersey, pulling me out, setting me on the bench, turning to me and saying, Derek, boring success is better than spectacular failure. Now, I don't know what I was supposed to learn from that, and I don't know what you're supposed to learn from that. I'm still working on it. I just thought I would give it to you. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31 says, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered him. Can I just make a statement? When you don't know where to go, just go read some words in red in your Bible. Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and I want you to listen, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Where does he get that? He gets it from the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, hero Israel, and he walks straight through these things. Typically, when we talk about the Shema, we go straight to the part that says we're supposed to teach our children how to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what we oftentimes fail to realize is before we can teach anybody anything else, we have to go to the Father and learn. Because this is what the Shema says. Learn to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what does he say? As you write them on your heart, then teach them to your children. And I want to submit something to you tonight. I think oftentimes our churches, our life groups, our Christian homes are full of men including myself, that are real quick and willing to tell everyone else what they need to be doing, but they're not willing to get alone with the Lord and let the Lord teach them. Can I just say this? You and I have not arrived. 
we've not. We've got a lot to learn. So the first question I want you to discuss around your table tonight is this. What is the purpose of learning? Now, I'm not talking about on the basketball court or stats from a baseball game or even something at your job. I'm talking about biblical learning, getting in God's Word. What is the purpose of that? Is it to build more knowledge? Is it to become a deacon or a minister? Is it to be able to say you've read through the whole Bible? What is the purpose of it? I want you to take a few minutes around the table, and I want you as a table to formulate your answer as a table as what is the purpose of learning? And then we're going to get the mic in just a few minutes and let a couple of your tables give us an answer. Ready, set, go. All right, well, Josiah has got a mic, and he's going to walk around. And uh, if you don't raise your hand, I'll just call a couple tables out. Did any table come up with, with maybe a statement from your table of what the purpose of learning is from a biblical standpoint? Anybody come up with something good? Okay, right back here, table 22. Uh, we talked about the uh, purpose of learning is how to be Christ-like and how to not only learn to be Christ-like, but how to apply it in everyday life. That's good, Christ-like, how to apply that to our lives. That's great, good, awesome. Good, good answer. Anybody else? Anybody come up with a good statement from your table? All right, we're going to call someone out here. All right, Tim Shelton, table four. That's what happens when you sit front and center. It's right here. Oh, he's still writing something. Oh, he's formulating? Okay, okay. Who's, who's, who's the speaker here? Okay, you got it? Yeah, like uh, just changing changing habits. You know, the closer you get, the, uh, the more you learn, you get the more of the mind of God. So yeah. in any situation that you're trying to change, whether it's a habit or uh, something at work, anything in your life, you're learning from the master, basically. Yeah, that's good. Changing habits. I like that. I like that. All right, one more. Give me one more. Okay, right here, table number two. Are you, yeah, I think you've got this. Okay. Yeah, we put to um, understand God, who God is, and to know how he wants us to live. I love that. Understand who God is and understand how he wants us to live. I love that. You know, I was thinking, thank you, Josiah, I appreciate it. I was thinking uh, a passage of Scripture, and I, I apologize, it's not going to be on the screen, but a passage of Scripture that you all know in 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about disciplines. Verse 7, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I think that's exactly what we're talking about, changing habits in our lives to be more Christ-like, to understand what God desires for me and how to, how to live out that. Notice what it says in verse 8, for bodily discipline is only of little profit. I mean, I can tell you that's true. For years, I focused nothing more in my life than getting my body ready to play in the NBA. It, it, it didn't happen. Uh, you've never heard of me from a basketball standpoint ever, okay? The school I went to was so small, when they asked if they put our names in the paper, they said, what paper, okay? So so that 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 didn't that didn't work out for me. What what did it really profit me? You know what it profited me? I'm having surgeries every other year. Okay, that's what it really got me. He's talking about learning for the purpose of godliness. You know, the second thing that I want us to talk about tonight, the question I want you to discuss around your table after I give you a few verses is what are some barriers to learning? What are some barriers to learning for us as men? A couple different passages I looked at was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says, therefore be careful how you walk not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How are we going to understand what the will of the Lord is if we're not getting before the master, as you just said, 
and letting him teach us his will for our lives. You know, Proverbs is chock full of learning. Talks about wisdom all throughout. Proverbs 23, 12. Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. And then I love what Proverbs 18, 15 says. The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So I got this question of what are some barriers to learning? I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. For me, I can remember going into Coach T's office for my very first one-on-one meeting. So this was day one of being on campus at the school. Classes haven't started. Most students are not there. Basketball team is there. We've reported. We've, we've met all the other sports guys and, and girls. And I have my one-on-one meeting with Coach. And one of the first things he says is, we can't play the game of basketball if our academics are struggling because the, the, the NCAA is not going to let you play. And so you've got to get this. So what I want to do with all of my players is I want to get them a for sure A class. So I've got a list of the 10 easiest classes in the whole school. And I want you to go through and I want you to pick which one of these you think would interest you because it's a guaranteed A. So I'm reading through there and I get to the one that says choir. Well, I sang in the choir at my church growing up. I thought, I mean, how difficult is it? I mean, you just get in there, you blend in, you don't know the song, you know the drill, you just sing, you move your mouth in the, in the motion of watermelon, watermelon, nobody knows you're not singing the words, and everything's going to be fine. So we come to the end of the semester. Coach gets our grades. We don't get our grades. There's no report card to take home to mommy. Coach gets the grades. I get the text. You need to be in my office in 30 seconds. I'm 20 minutes from campus. I hightail it there. I get in there. He said, shut the door. Close the blinds. Sit down on the couch. I thought, this is bad. And he said, I just want to ask you a question. How is it possible that any human being created over 7 billion people on the planet could get an F in choir? I want to ask you how it is even possible that you could even remotely get anything below an A or a B. And I said, I I don't know. I thought I did fine. So he said, well, I'm going to meet with the professor, and we're going to get it straightened out. So he meets with the professor. He comes back in. He says, Derek, do you know how many classes there are in a semester? I said, I have no idea. He said, it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. It's a 16-week class. You do the math. I said, okay, that's a lot of classes. And he said, you went to three of them. And I said, well, I didn't hear them say anything about how many classes you had to go to. And he said, Derek, if you go to three classes out of 16 weeks, you're going to fail. And if you fail, you're not going to get to play basketball. And if you don't get to play basketball, you're going to fail at everything you do for the rest of your life. I'm not trying to build you to be a better basketball player. I'm trying to build you to be a better man. And he said, I'm going to work with you along with you this next semester. And we're going to do a lot better. Over that next semester, he taught me how to manage my time. And he would meet with me weekly. And we would look at what all I had to do that week. And you know what he taught me? He taught me the time management piece that no one had ever taught me before. A barrier for me in learning was just this whole idea of showing up and applying yourself. You say, that seems ridiculous. But no one had ever taught me. I homeschooled. (laughs) You just kind of get out of bed and there it is. I didn't realize I had to go to class every day. And that was a barrier for me. I want to ask you this question. What is a barrier for you when it comes to learning God's word so that you can be Christ-like and apply it to your life and learn to change these habits in your lives. What is a barrier in your life? Ready, set, go. 
hear from a couple of the tables, maybe some barriers that you identified that keep us sometimes as men. Now, the ladies aren't in the room, our children aren't in the room, but as men, what are some barriers? What are some things that keep us from really going after the Lord and learning from, from Him? Right here, table 23. Me. What's that? Me. Me. What? I'm my own barrier. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's right. What else? Kind of hard to top that, isn't it? Right here, table nine, Al. I say distractions, you know, look at these things, you know, yeah. this. Right here. And this, you know, and yeah. you name it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Distractions. Talked about his phone, his computer, his iPad, his job. Yeah, what else? One more. What other barrier keeps us sometimes from learning, really going after the Lord? One more. Adam Bryant. I, I see you, brother. Give me one. Right back here. Oh, you, you got one? Go ahead. So we, we had some of the ones that are already mentioned. Uh, and uh, one of the ones that we we talked about was pride. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I've already, I've already either learned enough, I've arrived, I don't need more information in that area. Yeah, it's good. All right, Adam, you, you, you got it out by the skin of your teeth, unless you want to give us one. Okay, right back here. Adam Bryant, Memphis. I'm sure he's wearing a Memphis. What, what are you wearing? Memphis? Yeah, I figured. I figured Memphis. Okay. Um, we've, I think we said it comes down to lack of self-discipline. That's good. Because we're all busy. We're all distracted. Yep. But if we know discipline, we can yep. figure out. It's not a matter of finding time. It's a matter of making time. Yeah. And so if we can be dis- self-disciplined, we can work around those distractions and busyness and, and make it work. That's so good. So good. It's a matter of, is it a priority in our lives? You know, Brother Steve, a few years ago, challenged us as a staff to really spend a lot of time in God's Word in the mornings. But then he also challenged us to read some books. He said, read some books on theology, read some books on doctrine, read some commentaries, just find something that's really going to challenge you and push you. So I made this crazy decision that I was going to, this wasn't a crazy decision to read through the Bible in a year, that's three and a half chapters in the Bible. But I also made a decision that I was going to mirror that. I was going to do that in the morning. I was going to mirror it at, at night. And I was going to read three chapters out of a book at night. My wife said, I don't know if you should do this. This seems like a lot. And I said, do you want to do it with me? And she said, okay, so we'll get some books. And so she got three or four books. And I got a few books. And we began this process. And I'll be honest with you. There were nights that it was hard. There were nights that I was really tired. At the end of that year, I think it was 2017, we each read 73 books. Now, I'll say something to you. When you read a book by a man or by a woman, it's not all truth, okay? I'll tell you what the old preacher told me when he gave me a bunch of books when I was a young guy. He said, eating book, reading books is just like eating chicken. You chew up the meat, you spit out the bones, okay? So when you read a book that's written by a man, you also have your Bible there to look to say, does this match up with God's Word? If it doesn't match up with God's Word, discard that, okay? That's not truth. Because we know as believers, the only truth we have is found right here in God's word. So if it contradicts this even just a little bit, or if it even sounds really good, but you can't find it in here, I wouldn't go with it. Just discard that and get away from that. What I'm saying is exactly what Adam said. I didn't think there was any way to read more than 10, 12 books in a year having a couple of children. The bottom line is when we weren't watching TV at night, 
that we don't watch any TV shows that year. We read a lot of books. Then pastor last year challenged me to go back to school. I said, pastor, I've got a full-time job here. I'm teaching all the time. I got four kids. They're driving me nuts. We're homeschooling them. My wife's got all this going on. We got all this stuff going on. Where am I going to find the time? And he said, you'll find the time. Just do it. And I remember sitting down with you, Tim, and just saying, I, I don't know. I report to Tim. He's my boss. And I just, I don't know where this is going to come from. And we had to go home. And my wife's the one that literally said to me, she said, well, you're just going to have to do it. You got to quit sleeping in, get out of the bed, because she gets up at 4.30 in the morning. That's ridiculous. And so I wake up at five, half the time she's already gone to the gym. I'm like, well, good for you. Okay, you'll get a crown in heaven. All right. But I, so now I wake up at five. And I've got about two and a half hours before the kids get up. And what I found is those two and a half hours that I was wasting on sleep that obviously my body does not need, because I've been doing really fine this past year and a half, right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't pay attention to the cast. That doesn't have anything to do with sleeping, okay? But, but I honestly didn't need that sleep. And the bottom line is, was it a priority? Now, it took, it took two really important people in my life to, to make me do that. It took Brother Steve and my wife. You know what my wife said? She goes, I've been asking you for 10 years to go back to school. Brother Steve mentions at one time you go back to school, okay? So I, how many of you are still learning in your marriages? Anybody? Just, just me? I decided to buy my wife a gift off of Facebook Marketplace that I thought was a great buy two weeks ago. And it was an ice maker. She's always wanted an ice maker. It doesn't work. And um, I've been in the doghouse now for two weeks. So if anybody knows how to fix that thing, I would really appreciate it. I learned my lesson. Don't buy things on Marketplace. So we talked about some barriers of learning. The third thing I want us to talk about tonight is what is your plan for learning? You say, these are really not points. These are just questions. That's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to think about what you're going to do because see, what... What uh, Donna Whitney talks about in his book here is that learning is a discipline. And I want you to listen to what he says underneath a heading that says, learning is mostly by discipline, not by accident. I want you to listen to this. He says, age and experience alone don't increase your spiritual maturity. Becoming like Jesus doesn't happen incidentally or automatically with the passing of birthdays. Godliness, as we talked about in 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, it requires a deliberate discipline. Those who are not trying to learn will only get spiritual and biblical knowledge by accident or convenience. Occasionally they will hear a biblical fact or principle from someone else and they themselves will profit from it. Once in a while they will get a brief burst of interest in a subject, but this is not the way to godliness. The discipline of learning helps us to be intentional learners, not accidental learners. What I've realized for so many years in my life was I was an accidental learner. I was picking up things here and there from my parents or pastor or a teacher I may be sitting under, but I really was not self-feeding. So what do you mean by that? I wasn't really digging into God's word. So when we talk about having a plan, Job chapter 32 verse 9 says, the abundant in years may not be wise. How many of you know somebody really old that's just not very smart? Anybody? Well, that guy's hand went up quick. I used to work for a guy. I'm not going to tell you where. It wasn't here at the church. I'll just put it to you that way. We did some handyman stuff, and I wasn't real good at it. But I was smart enough to take the easiest route to getting the finished product. And we were doing some work on this on someone's front porch. 
and we needed to put some nails on, like if you were looking at the pillars from the front of their house, we needed to put some nails in these pillars. But he was standing up on the porch trying to put the nails on the other side. Okay, now how many of you just know this just seems like a bad idea? So I'm watching him do this, thinking this just, it just doesn't seem smart. And so he's got these big old nails, and he's hitting, and he all of a sudden hits himself right in the chest. And I'm talking about he was slinging the hammer. And he turns around, and he said a couple things I won't repeat in here, and he's mad at himself. He's angry. And so I thought, well, he's going he's gonna to go down. And I look over, and he's gone right back to the same position. He starts saying thing, and he hits himself in the chest again. And at this point, I mean, like, I could tell, like, his eyes are starting to get a little teary because he has, he has hurt himself. And this time, he's really angry. And I think his pride had set in. He knew I was watching. By this point, I've started snickering a little bit. And he goes back to it one last time because, you know, always the third time's the charm. And he hits himself so hard in the pectoral muscle that I had to take him to the ER. And when we got there, the doctor said, what did, what did you run into? And he said, it's a long story. Maybe I'll tell you another time. And he literally tore a muscle right here. And I remember walking out just thinking, and, and forgive me for saying this, I just thought, I don't, I don't know another word to say than, than are you an idiot? Like, what, why, would you, why would you stand there and do this and not learn from your mistakes? How many of you know just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you're wise? Job says, the abundant in years may not be wise, nor may elders understand justice. 1 Corinthians 8.1, now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge can make us arrogant, but love edifies. See, if we're learning just for the sake of knowledge, we just need to stop. Because all that's going to do is puff us up. Proverbs 9.9 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. One of my favorite people to spend any time with here on our staff at Bellevue is our administrative pastor, David Coombs. Brother David is in his 70s. I don't think he's in this room tonight. He's been here a few times, but... I love being around Brother David, and I watch him come to meetings like this or go to a meeting like we were in around lunch today and sit there with a notepad and continually write things down and continually ask questions and continually to seek the Lord with all he has. And I'm amazed he's talked to me about continuing to learn. He's talked to me about not filling my schedule so full that the Lord doesn't have time to teach me anything. And I'm blown away that even as old and as wise as he is, he's still seeking the Lord with everything he's got. And I believe he will do so until the Lord takes him home. Proverbs 10, 14, wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin it at hand. Wise men store up knowledge. A wise man's going to seek knowledge. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing. That's where I was before I decided to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I thought I wanted it, but it wasn't worth it to me. It says, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. So the question is, what is your plan for learning? Can I just say this? When Jesus says right here in Mark 12, he says, the foremost is hero Israel. The Lord our God is one. Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We don't talk about that one a lot. We don't talk about going after the Lord with everything we have mentally. But can I just say this? The Bible tells us when we're saved, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become 
new. We are new creations, but God doesn't just leave us at that point of salvation. He wants to take us a whole lot further than that. And what I think happens oftentimes to many people, including myself, is what we read about when we read in Romans chapter 12. Notice what verse 2 says. Do not be conformed to this age or world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to renew so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and what is the perfect will of God. Do you know why oftentimes you and I can't discern what the will of God is? Do you know why oftentimes we don't know what is good and what is pleasing? Because we are being more conformed to the world than allowing Christ to renew and transform our minds. My mom used to sing a song to me when I was a little boy that I will not sing to you tonight. But the, the whole premise of the song was, what goes into your mind is what comes out. If you're putting sports into your mind, that's what's coming out. If you're just reading the newspaper, that's what's coming out. If all you're doing is watching the news and all the politics, that's probably all you're going to talk about. If you're putting God's Word into your mind, it is what is going to come out. Brother Steve always says, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So I want to ask you a question. Whether you're 16, 65, or 95, do you have a plan for learning? Up until January 1st of 2021, I did not. I had no plan whatsoever. And God has radically changed the way in which I approach His Word, and the way in which I dig into it. And I have a plan. And I'm not telling you it's a great plan. I'm not telling you it's a perfect plan. I'm not telling you it's a plan for you, but I'm asking you, what is your plan for learning? So I want you to talk a little bit around the table about what your plan may be going forward, because I'm just telling you, if you don't have a plan, the devil's plan is a whole lot bigger and better than yours is. And the devil's whole desire is to enter your life, to conform you to the things of the world, and to destroy your family. The devil is coming after Bellevue Baptist Church and every other church in our country with everything he's got, and I believe with all my heart he's going, to, he's going at it through the men. He stopped trying to tear the church down. He has decided he's going to tear the family down. And when the family is torn down, the church will follow. So where do you go when you want to tear something down? You go to the head. And the man is the head of the household. And so I'm asking you, what is your plan for learning? Discuss that around the table for a little bit, and then we'll close it up here in a few minutes. Well, let's bring it back just for a couple moments, and then we will... Uh, I tell you what, Josiah's got the mic. Did anybody make a goal? I made a goal when I was just praying through tonight. I wanted this to be more discussion based and teaching based, but I made a goal just with the classes that I'm in right now uh, for this next week to make some changes and some tweaks to how I'm learning and how I'm actually applying it to my life. Am I just learning it to take exams or am I learning it to actually learn? And so I personally have made some goals, but I'm curious, anybody make a goal? Maybe you made a goal to read a book. Um, they say that 40, I think it's, uh, I think I read this morning, 43% of Americans say they never read a book, one book in a year. 43% of Americans say they never, and I think it was something like 30% of them said they've never, they don't even pick one up. Like they don't even buy one. Like they, they don't even think about it, okay? So maybe you fall into that, you say, my goal is to read a book, or maybe your, your goal is to read the Bible. Anybody make any goals? Anybody? There you go. He made a goal. He got him a new book, and he's going to read it, and he's going to give us a report next Wednesday night on his favorite chapter, 
and we're appreciative of it. You can give us the cliff note version there. Hi, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what would be a goal for me to set. Maybe you say, you know, my quiet time, my time with the Lord, my time in God's word has been a little off lately. Maybe you say, actually, I don't have a time where I just sit alone with the Lord. Make that a priority. And you don't have to take two hours. I don't know if, know if y'all have ever heard Brother Steve talk about how he prays and he prays through all these cards. And sometimes he'll pray for a couple hours and he's, the time's gotten away from him. I'm thinking, man, alive. I mean, I, I never prayed for a couple hours. I mean, maybe once or twice in my whole life. And that was with a group of people. I mean, that's, I don't know if I can do that. Well, he's been doing this a long time. Maybe you're not at that place and that's okay. But could I just encourage you to take 10, 15 verses a day and read it? Maybe highlight something that jumps out at you and ask three questions about it. We talked about this in our life group on Sunday. Maybe you take five verses and read. I'd encourage you to ask three questions. Number one, what does this passage say about God? Does it say anything about God? Maybe it talks about God's love. Maybe it talks about God's judgment. Maybe it talks about God's grace. Maybe it talks about God being holy. Maybe it talks about that he's a father. I don't know, but ask the question, what does this passage say about God? Second question you could ask is, what does this passage say about man? Maybe it says we're sinful. Maybe it says we're rebellious. Maybe it says we're, we're in need of a Savior. But write down, what does it say about man? And thirdly, write down, what does it call me to do? What does this passage call me to do? If you, if you took five verses and you asked those three questions, God will speak to you. Because here's what I know, when we pick up God's word, it is alive and well, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it was, he speaks to us through his word. So maybe that's a goal that you make. I don't know what it is. But I encourage you to write something down. I want to share with you a quick story before we send it back to the tables, and you can talk as long as you want, and then pray for each other before you leave. I coached baseball here at Bellevue this past year. We played in August, September, October. This young boy was put on my second and third grade baseball team, and um, I didn't know him. His family goes to Bellevue here and seemed like a great kid. And uh, my son's in second grade. This boy's in third grade, and they became buddies, and they started hanging out a little bit. And we found out and learned that he was a foster child of this family and that they were in the adoption process and the adoption is supposed to go through in the next month or two. His adoptive father that's getting ready to it, that's going through this adoption process got cancer a few weeks ago and he passed away yesterday morning. And I can honestly say to you that over the past year, there's been a few things that have just driven me to the, the feet of the Lord and said, Lord, I'm not questioning who you are, but I don't understand. This makes no sense to me. This is a boy who has never had a mom and a dad. Well, the ones he had wasn't, wasn't good. This is a boy who a mom and dad came for him and have loved him unconditionally, have pointed him to Jesus. And now you've just taken this daddy away from him. And I don't understand that. And I'll be perfectly just transparent with you up here. I'm struggling. As last night, I sat on that bench right there and coached that young man in basketball. He's never scored a basket in his life, and God allowed him last night at about 6.45 to score two baskets on that goal right there within 10 minutes of each other. And his daddy didn't get to watch it. And then his adopted mama 
had to pick him up, drive him about two miles away through their house, sit him down on the couch, say, this morning your daddy died. I understand that. But I can tell you this morning, when I wept before the Lord, it was a sweet time with the Lord. And He reminded me that His ways are not my ways. And He reminded me that He has a plan that's way bigger than any plan I could ever comprehend. And He reminded me that little Ryan has a special plan. God has a special plan for him. And He reminded me today that God has allowed that young boy to come into our lives and has literally changed our family over the last few weeks. And he reminded me that when it doesn't make sense, he's a good, good father. I learned that. I learned that. Because you know what he tells us to do? When our burdens are really heavy, Jesus says, come to me. Lay him at my feet. Let me carry him for you. See Mike Crouch right there, walking through a storm cancer, things like that in in his family and things that they've walked through. And you know what? That's a man that stayed faithful to the Lord. And I know this morning he got up and spent time with Jesus. I know that. I don't know what you're walking through. But I can tell you this. This morning, I didn't read a whole lot of Scripture. I didn't sing much this morning. I wept before the Lord. I got no school done. As my kids got up, I was drying my eyes up. Because all I know is as I sat on my little recliner, it was like I had climbed into the lap of Jesus. I said, Daddy, I don't understand. But I'm trusting you. And I want to ask you if you've had a time like that with the Lord lately. I want to ask you if you've spent time at the feet of Jesus. Let Him minister to you. I want to ask you, have you spent time with the Lord and really learned His purpose and His plan for you?